Welcome back to another episode of the Extraordinatus Podcast, all things competitive in the world of Warhammer 40,000. My name's Eric, with me is my co-host Robert. Hello. And we are here, we have reached it, we've been talking about it all season long. The WCW, the World Championship of Warhammer, uh, completed this weekend. Uh, lots to talk about. We had a reveal party, we had a new format. The importance of this event cannot be understated, not just for the community, just for the uh, competitive scene altogether. We're going to tie that all together. There's been a lot of moving pieces, both in and outside of the tabletop hobby, that uh, we want to take a look at. And, of course, we're going to try to look at our crystal ball and see what this means for the future of competitive Warhammer. But uh, first, let's look at some shiny pieces of plastic to uh, whet our appetite and uh, weaken our credit rating so um <laughs> some interesting new stuff coming up well whether it's going to be shiny or not is so is much up to i believe it was yeah asmodai asmodai is kind of sport pouring smoke everywhere <laughs> we won't be able to see anything yeah, it took me a little figuring out when i saw the bell i was like what is all that and like oh okay now i get it okay that's pretty cool yep so they showed off the first batch of new Dark Angels models for their eventual codex. And as I just kind of jokingly said, the first model is Asmodai. And he has two different head options. One with a hood and one with a very, very angry looking black armor mask. That is actually kind of terrifying. I thought of smoke. I thought he's going to have like a Snoop Dogg face. But anyway, not the case. <laughs> And then for the avid delvers of the internet, they probably already saw these, but there's new Deathwing Knights coming out. So they're still big, chunky Terminator boys, but they're refreshed Terminator boys. I was a little surprised they don't have as much of the robes that the old ones did. That was the one thing I liked about the old ones, that these don't quite have as much of the it's the more armor less rope i was kind of like oh it's kind of disappointing and well, a couple of other ad people noticed no flail mm -hmm. well from listening to the stream to the best of my ability they did specifically mention that the kit comes with enough options to either build them all with normal terminator armor build them with robes i think or you can mix and match too so the robes might still be there but yeah i think the flail got mixed into um other melee profiles maybe maybe okay well, i'm glad to hear that they have options then because i could see because the other ones were very mono pose so that was definitely uh, mm -hmm. okay cool and the a whole bunch of other reveals like new assault marines for heresy a new truck for necromunda some specifically night lord themed legionnaires for kill team yeah those look kind of cool I mean, i'm not gonna lie if you're a night lords fan those are pretty nice looking now that i actually get to look at them yes yes they are very cool looking I'm just not sure. Do they have separate rules? I have no idea. Uh, it was one of those I had a chance to look that up. Are they just legionnaires, or what's the, you know, they? Because I know like Emperor's Children have um, noise marines, and Nurgle has plague marines. I can't remember if Night Lords had a standalone unit. It was pretty much just. Are they just legionnaires? 
Yeah, from listening, again, listening to the stream, because I couldn't watch it at the time, but I could at least listen to it. The hosts did specify that they are effectively just legionnaires that are easily Night Lords themed, because they already have bat wings and all that wonderful jazz. So they're not anything special yet. Okay. I can see that uh, opportunity come down the road. Uh, of course, um, looking into the future, we have a new Necron. Yes, indeed. And that can tie us into exactly what's going to be going on pre-order here soon. So they showed the refreshed model of Orc in the Diviner to go alongside Imhotek the Stormlord. So the cl two classic Sawtech characters from way back when have some wonderful little glow-ups. And from reading the preview article that released just today, Orkin still has his stop calling me a nerd moment where he can just go crazy strong and buff and then go back to grumbling in his books. That's pretty cool. It also seems like we're still keeping the generic Lord from the previous box set. So you got the new Lord that uh, is like phasing in and out. And then they have the generic Lord. And of course the Royal Warden uh, remain as uh, character choices. Well, yeah, those are both specifically overlords. So we have three different overlord choices, but the step down that is the actual just Lord model don't know if it's going to survive the chopping block or not. Yeah, I don't know either, which is unfortunate because that it's not that I like there's some crazy tech that you need to have with that model. I just remember when they cut the lieutenant from the Chaos Space Marine Codex with the lieutenant equivalent, you had the Chaos Lord, and then he was like this many points because he was awesome. And then your next possible choice was Chaos Sorcerer, and he was like, well, he's pretty awesome too, and he was the same point cost, and then. The last thing is why I kind of just need an inexpensive supporting character to fill out my HQ slot back then. So then you're like, mm, Dark Apostle, I guess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, well, I don't have any other cultists in my list, so how is this going to work? So it was kind of sad, you know, especially when you played lower point, like a thousand point armies. You didn't have that lower cost uh, leader that you could really use. Yeah. And alongside Oricon and Emotech. Obviously, there's going to be the data cards. There's going to be the dice. And I do love the fact that they're continuing this trend for the Collector's Edition books. They actually look really snazzy. They do. They do indeed. Always one of those, I always feel like, fear of missing out. They're like, I want to order one. But then I'm like, they, they get updated so fast. It's like, okay, it's still snazzy looking. Because I remember Ray got the Gene Steeler Cult collector's edition when they were first reintroduced and all the stuff he got with that was just amazing i mean just the objective markers and the the, the binding and the extra um art book that came with it i was like wow this is that's pretty cool yep that's very much why i am going to oh there's one other thing that we forgot about necrons i know very many people don't pay attention to this one but they're actually coming out with a crusade book for them now, I'm glad to see that because the Crusade rules were pretty cool. If I understand, it does follow the uh, Pariah Nexus theme from the um, uh, show on Warhammer Plus, which was, was really good. Animation was really good. Plotline was 
I shoot you. I, you are my enemy. No, I'm your enemy. No, I'm your enemy. And uh, everybody shot each other. But the graphics were really cool. Mm-hmm. But along with that, they also showed off <clears throat> the Admec book, which between the collector's edition and the normal one, the normal one sure shows the, the Robo Sage kind of stuff. But the collector's edition one is much more ominous. It's just an engine seer. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty excited about seeing some more. You know, obviously the first few codices are gonna not gonna see a whole lot of codex creep. They usually are pretty good about that. It's usually it's that second wave you start seeing the creep. And mm-hmm. um from what we're hearing is, you know, uh, not as many detachments as the Space Marine book and a redo of the current detachment that's in the index. So that could be exciting and seeing what else comes up. Yep. But I th- honestly think the most important thing to come out of the preview on Saturday is we have a little, we have three more books or I think it was either three more or two more books shown off for the roadmap. Well, they sort of announced three and then of course it was redacted. So I was like, oh, come on. Because I I don't remember them showing off Chaos Space Marines on the last roadmap. They did. Yeah. It was huh. Yeah, Chaos Space Marines were coming out. That's why I was like, Oh god, they're already one of the the Apex Predators in the current meta. We're now gonna give them a codex. Oh <laughs> Yeah, because I remember the, the cutoff of the last roadmap was the Dark Angels, Orcs, Custodes, and Tau. I don't so Okay. But that's at least what I remember. But any whoosens, the next couple of books that were added on were Adeptus Sororitas, so the sisters get their book a lot earlier this time, and Gene Stealer Cult. Yeah, I find that very surprising that they're coming out this early, and um, I'm curious to see what they, what their detachments look like. Is and um, we've seen some already, some already big rewrites since their initial index release and then the, the bounce day slate really switched around how they recycle their units. So I'm curious what the codex has to bring. You could almost say it was a plan in the making for about two weeks. <laughs> but yes, there was a, some other really cool reveals from the preview that if you play anything for AOS or Underworlds or anything else, be sure to get a look at those. I know the one hobby model that I want is, in fact, the Bone Dragon. Yeah, the old world, uh, the Tomb Kings. Uh, they have a huge centerpiece model. It's just, wow. Okay. Yeah. But anyhoosens, we can talk about what we're painting at the end of the show. Yeah, it was interesting to see what they had coming out. I was trying to see if there are any other nuggets that they may have dropped on the audio. See, I was the opposite. I couldn't w- listen to the audio. I can only watch it. So it's like if we put, our, if we put our experiences together, we would have gotten the whole show. So. Yeah, it was it was one of those things of I continued listening to it for maybe about 20 minutes. There was no surprise endings added on afterwards. So Okay. So... The only thing I my concern in this I shouldn't be concerned because it's one of those things you've got to take one with a grain of salt and sometimes it bites you. 
And the rumors indicated that there was going to be more revealed and it felt like we got half of them. So, mm-hmm. for example, Dark Angels, Asmodai, Deathwing Knights, and new Ravenwing Knights were supposedly, you know, to rep- since all the old bikes were removed, everybody's in the Primaris Outrider bikes, supposedly they're going to be like Ravenwing Outrider bikes, or at least mm-hmm. a conversion kit. Wasn't announced. Oh, okay. Maybe that's coming out sometime sooner. So we didn't see that. Um, there's supposedly another Necron unit doesn't that's supposed to be coming out. Um, no word on that. And then last but not least, the Night Lords in the Kill Team box are fighting whom? There were certain rumors that it was the new Mandrake models for Drukari. There was also a lot of rumors that from the description that it might just be flayed ones from Necrons. Correct me if I'm wrong. Flayed ones have already gotten like a redo of models several times, so I can't remember. They were, they were the last redo of a model in the last big kill team box that had Necrons and the introduction of the heavy intercessors. Got it. Okay. Yeah, I thought they were already redone. Because remember, they were originally they were fine cast, and they got redone, and then those were kind of wonky looking, and like, oh, they got redone again. Okay. Nope, the that kill team box with the heavy intercessors and stuff was their most recent redo. Okay. Yeah. There you go. So anyway, so it felt like maybe there's more stuff to come. So we will see. I'm trying to think when maybe they're saving stuff for LVO, which we're going to talk about a little bit later, because um, they would normally do a big preview at LVO. So maybe they have limited supply at the point what's coming out. I just hope they get their supply chain in row because it seems like they just cannot get product to stores. Yeah, my my hunt for nerglings. Um, <laughs> uh, so I found my three boxes of nerglings that I'm currently painting. And I found them after I put in an order for some silly posed ones off of Etsy. Oh, no. So I now will have 20 extra Nurgling models. I don't know how big they're going to be, but they're they're going to show up. <laughs> no, no. That's okay. Yeah. But yes, so we are going to wind what? We're going to wind back the time, like maybe, you know, a week. And go cover the one event that we couldn't cover last week because we didn't know if it was going to be two days or three days. Indeed. So, if, so last week we were talking about the it was a Coventry GT in England, and uh, we couldn't figure out what was going on. Sure enough, it was a three-day event, so not all the standings were available when we were on the air. But of course, as promised, we're going to bring in the coverage and uh, find out who actually won the event. So, Robert, what do we have here? So. Let me absolutely double check because I found the Coventry that said it was a two-day event. Yeah, it was weird. I, I, I reread the packet a few times. I still don't quite understand. Apparently, it was a two-day event and a three-day event. But from my understanding is everyone who showed up got into the two-day event and it did in the three-day event is basically the top cut. That's what I okay. understand. Having that one up, the top five are very much these folks. There's a noticeable name missing because he was somewhere else. In fifth place, we have Eric Hoth with Eldar. 
in fourth place is Matthew McCurdy with Space Wolves. Third place is Vincent Chan with Death Guard. Second place is Alex Petford with Eldar. And then first place is Vic Vijay with Sisters. Yeah, I don't remember him playing Sisters. So I'm just trying to think of, did I miss something? But nothing needs my permission or anything like that. Just don't hmm. remember him playing Sisters. And Eric, if you're trying to talk, you are muted. Uh-oh. I am not muted. Uh-oh. Nope, never mind. My volume got turned down. <laughs> my, oh, volume, my volume knob got bumped. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, no problem. All right, we're back. We went having some technical issues the last few weeks, but we're, we get through it. No, I don't remember him playing Sisters at all. I, I'm trying to remember. Last edition, I believe Vic. Yeah, Vic and both Dave, Vic and David were both playing Thousand Sons all the way into the end of ninth, end of um, ninth edition. Yeah. So surprise. So. So, <clears throat> as a peek into what you might see. Wow, this is um three big named characters no two big named characters and then a whole bunch of support pieces two full bricks of normal sisters 30 archiflagellants yeah it's kind of the unit of choice lately yeah and then one small pair of crusaders a seraphim unit a castigator an exorcist three exorcists and then an emulator and a couple of rhinos. It seems to be the new standard of late. Uh, just, I think he probably took it to an extreme with that many archiflagellants. Um, I'm trying to find out where did he find all the models because I don't think those are available in plastic. Correct me if I'm wrong, but um, I could have swore they're still in Finecast. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, it's one of those. I'm like, oh. But yes, the, the two big named characters they have that he has in there is, in fact, Celestine and then the Triumph of St. Catherine. That thing is so good. It is also really, really big. I feel bad whenever I shoot it off the table. I just like the whole idea of it. It's just such a, you know, it's a big base with multiple models on it. Mm-hmm. But it counts as a single unit type, but a single model type idea. I've noticed a few other games are doing that now that squads are just on a big base. You know, you have the characters, all the mo- multiple models on one base, and, you're, and that's their squad type thing. But I just like the whole idea also that it's this funeral procession of this total blind faith, and it's going out there and providing all these buffs. And if you believe, you get superpowers. And those powers add up, and it makes a lot of units really powerful really quick. Yep. And I have yet to play against sisters in this edition yet with anything, so I don't know exactly how hard they hit me. But I did have my first game against demons the other day, and ugh, Bellicor's stupid. Yeah, uh, that's the thing about demons is with the, you know, Bellicor is kind of the engine that keeps that up army, that whole faction running. There's a couple key units that are really strong, but the biggest one is, yeah, you gotta have Bellacor and maybe one or two of the big guys. Um, it's not as many as you could, because they have major price hikes on the last data sheet. Mm-hmm. But yes, congratulations to Vic Vijay and all the other top finishers. It is no easy task finishing an event that big with going undefeated or X and 1. Indeed. 
That was so. That was last week's event. What do we got going this weekend? Well, we're going to, um, you know what? We're going to skip over the Alliance GT because that one's over in like New Zealand or something. And I dare not butcher that many names. Oh, come on. <laughs> All right, if you insist. <laughs> so we have the we have the Alliance Open GT with a very solid a hundred no, yeah, hundred and twelve players. Like this was a big one. So the top five are Keys Jean Stam. Playing Eldar in fourth places. Kuhn Vanderly playing Space Marines. Third place is Aaron Prinsen playing Eldar. Second place is Vincent Koopmans playing Dark Angels. And in first place is Ron Alayahu playing Tyranids. There we go. It's so interesting that there's a, such a different meta in that part of the world just like wow you know how, i know it's you know distance and other, but how they the same units same codex same dice but they come off a very different way of taking those same pieces and mixing them together in a different way mm-hmm. although looking at the tyranid list this one is very much the kind of list that i would expect to see in either invasion fleet or synaptic nexus because it's got three neural lictors, it's got double maliceptor, which I wish I had like one or two of those. Um, a single Harvest three Exocrines, a single Carnifex, old one eye, a tyrant, a neuro tyrant, and death leaper. Like it's <laughs> okay. And he actually went for the entire joke of insom nom 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 namia. <laughs> He gets a gold star in my book. Yeah. It's funny. That's one of the things that has not kind of fully come back. Back in the old days when you had uh, comp scores and appearance scores, one of the things that got you extra points was naming not only your army, but naming your units and your characters. And of course, uh, they didn't have a lot of named characters back then. So your generic HQ choices at the time, you got extra points for naming them. So some people went the funny route. Some people went the serious route. So. Yep. But yes, congratulations to those top five finishers. I apologize if you were able to listen to this. And if I butchered your name, you can totally make fun of me on the Facebook page. Or come back on the show. We'd love to interview you and uh, make sure we get the pronunciation correct. Yes, because I feel bad about butchering names all the time. But we are going to return to the USA and we're going to jump over to New York. We're going to go to Da Boys. Wow, this is one of those long running events. This has been long pedigree. Long, it's nice to see these guys keeping it, keeping it going. Yep, a very healthy 76 players. And the top five are David Lover. He's not a fighter with Eldar. <laughs> well played, sir. <laughs> Sorry, it was right there. I had to get it. In fourth place is David Koska with Admech. In third place is Scott Ferguson with Eldar. In second place is Ken Knox with Deathwatch. And in first place is Adam Die with Chaos Space Marines. Did he do anything different? I really hope he did something different. Um, Chaos Lord, a couple of Warpsmiths, Cultists, 
chosen obliterators. Nope. This is very much the the kind of go to. Oh, and Abaddon. I almost missed Abaddon. Um, but this is very much the the go to kind of chaos space marine list that hey here's three forge fiends and some obliterators and you build everything else around that it's been quite effective i have yet to play it as well and um i'm slowly learning when you start planning you take a look at a data slate and you're like oh i I can deal with that knowing all the synergies that work around it sometimes you're like oh (laughs) that's what makes it good so Mm -hmm. i'm curious to see how this all works so yeah, I basically had to play against that list in round one at the RTT that you were able to go to. And how, yeah, so was, what am I missing there? Is it just because Abaddon doles out rerolls to the Obliterators that makes it so strong? Or Oh, no, no, it's absolutely the Forge Fiends. The Forge Fiends okay. are criminally undercosted for here's three plasma, uh, three plasma cannons with devastating wounds and. You add in the dark packs, you make them either undivided or Nurgle, and yeah, those Forge Fiends just went to town on my custodies. Got it. I was afraid that was the case. So it's funny because those things sucked for years. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And the Obliterators are definitely scary. Because he brought a unit of four of them, and they shoot some really crazy melted guns if they use the melted profiles. Yeah, they got the bolt. Did they still have the like random shots? That was always the problem with them in the past. No, as from playing them, he only ever used the melted profile. Okay. <laughs> um, but basically, it's three different profiles. One is the heavy gun, one is the average gun, and one is the chaff gun. Okay. Yeah, just remember the whole, you take the master possessions or put them near the squad so he'd get the re-roll. The, so you didn't know if the shot by shot if it's a D1 or AP1 versus AP3, a damage 1, damage 3, didn't know. So that would give you the re-roll so you had a little more predictability. So, okay, I haven't mm-hmm. played them in a while. But I know those are the, you remember the Forge Fiends and the Obliters and large... Cultist blocks are kind of the Vogue thing right now. Of course, with three units of Chosen. Yep, the Chosen are actually the basically like the character hubs. They just carry around a Chaos Lord and seem important, but no. If you can ice the Forge Fiends, you have a much better chance of winning. Cool. All right. So now we are going to head to the main event. They stole the name from Mika. GW the world championships of Warhammer WCW mm-hmm. W brother Robert who won this week <laughs> well the top five now they did break up everyone into different groups for what country you came from so that way you know your country could get points and stuff the top five are Ludwig Stamler playing Eldar from France. Fourth place is Boris Michev, playing Cast Space Marines from England. Third place is Lachlan Rigg from Australia, playing Chaos Space Marines. And second place, he missed it by one game. John Lennon from the United States, playing Space Marines. 
to the only Brit that wasn't there at the Coventry GT, Manny Chima, playing Chaos Space Marines. So it's a very unique format. Well, I should say unique for Warhammer. Uh, this is actually a format that's used as a combination of what we see in World Cup soccer, followed by what we see uh, in other tournaments, but most likely here in the United States, you'd recognize this as how the College World Series works. So what happened was um, speaking well, speaking to a couple of those players, but also listening to their respective podcasts. It was a huge event, but unlike, say, LVO, where it's like day one, if you're if you're in it to win it, you know your first three pairings, if barring any unfortunate luck, uh, you're going to be okay. Play a, play a couple of tryhards, make sure you get through unscathed, no bad matchups, no bad missions, and you're going to be 3 and 0 on day one because you're focused on getting into the shadow round, if not exceeding the shadow round. So there's a lot of games that are just kind of filler. This was not that type of tournament. You know, size matters not in this one. So, yes, there were a ton of players there, but the key is that they was invite only. And so, right off, I'll give you a high idea. The guys over at StatCheck took a look at the ELO rating. The average ELO rating of a tournament was around 1,500. This tournament was over 1,700. So, you're looking at almost a 20% increase in the overall talent of the players in this a single tournament. So what happens is okay, each of the players are put into pods. So most players, when they go into it, they're not in that mind frame of, oh my God, there's a thousand players. What, you know, how do I ma- navigate through this? It's almost like going to an RTT because you play everybody in your pod first. And if you win your pod, you go on to the knockout round, which we'll get to in a second. So it's interesting that certain pods, like just like in World Cup Soccer, uh, certain pods were stronger than others or made it more difficult for people to come out and be the winner. Um, I thought overall they were fairly balanced, actually more balanced than what we've seen in World Cup soccer. So uh, we already after that, you saw some real shark tanks in that level. So it gave us our top eight. So that went into the knockout round, which was double elimination. So even if you stumbled once, you uh, had a chance to work your way back up. And it was very much like a regular RTT that we've seen here uh, at the mid-table levels that you can try and submarine your way back into the uh, beginnings. So we mentioned a couple of the players, Lachlan Riggs from Australia, uh, played Kyle McCord of the United States with Black Templars, and he was able to dispatch Kyle in the first round. Uh, Arndt Zert of Germany, with his Eldari, went against Valentin Schefter of with Decron Pain. And this was a major upset. Valentin was able to take out his countryman. Arnzen is like one of the top players in all of Germany, one of the top WC uh, players. And to see that big change was was pretty uh, shocking. Manny Chiba in the first round took out uh, Ludwig Stamler from France. And John Lennon was able to uh, take out Boris Michif, uh playing Chaos Space Marines. So that set up the quarterfinals of all the undefeated players. And then all the players who lost go into what's called a redemption in round one. So Arntzent got a little redemption there, taking out Kyle McCord and moving on into the second round. And uh, Boris um, Michev was able to take out Ludwig Stamler in the second round. So both of those players now have two losses. They're out of the tournament. This would be, so now we go back to the winner's bracket, and Lachlan Riggs was able to pull off another win, taking out Valentin Schefter with his Necrons, moving into the undefeated bracket of the winner's circle. Andy Chiba was able to take out John Lennon, and there's some discussion about that particular game. You can read about yourself. Honestly, I think it's people were looking for something to happen 
and um, digging a little too hard there. So John, that means John and uh, Valentin get put into the redemption round against our previous winners, Arndt Zernt and Boris Michif. And uh, the winners of that, uh, John Lennon was able to take out Arndt, whereas uh, Boris was able to take out Valentin. So that meant John Lennon and Boris Michif would have to play each other for the privilege of getting back into the rigs. Meanwhile, the winners, Lachlan Rig and Manny Chima went at it, and uh, Manny Chima was able to dispatch uh, Lachlan. So John Lennon was able to take out Lachlan Riggs as well in the redemption round. So that means John Lennon and Manny Chima are fighting for the second time. And this time, Manny gets revenge. Excuse me, John gets revenge against Manny. So now both players are sitting on one loss. So for the third time this tournament, settle it all together, Manny Chima and John Lennon played each other. And as John, as uh, Robert just reported, Manny Chima comes on top. So whatever controversy you felt was in the first game, they played a best of three, and the top player came through. So uh, very interesting format, very cool to see it, really add a lot of tension in terms of seeing some of the top players really go against each other. And uh, Barbara, did you catch any of the stream coverage of this particular event? No, I did not. Uh, once again, uh, quality camera work, uh Paul Murphy does a really great job of keeping the action exciting. And one thing I just, maybe just because I'm a 40K snob, um, maybe that's the issue. In most tournaments, they kind of bounce maybe between two or three tables to keep the excitement going. Heck, professional sports here in the United States do that all the time. You know, kind of do a look in on another game while action is a little slow at the game that they're featuring. What was weird this time around is they were doing that, but they would actually switch game systems. So meanwhile, this is what's going on in Age of Sigmar. And I was like, what the hell is going on here? And even just drop in on an Underworlds game or a little bit here and there. So that was a little odd. That was a little jarring to watch. So um, I caught bits and pieces. I did not have a chance to really sit down and watch a game from front to end. So hoping the games are still up on Twitch. They usually come down pretty quick. So maybe go back and take a look at some of these games and see what I can learn. But um, very interesting format. So congratulations once again to Manny. And Lennon once again showing why he's still one of the top players in the world. So let's open up the, uh, the discussion. What are we going to discuss? Okay. So first and foremost, uh, Games Workshop reasserting themselves as we can run big tournaments. And this was a very interesting format where it's invite only. This wasn't like typical uh, tournaments we've seen before where you might get one or two Cinderella stories that kind of work their way into a shadow round and then upset a couple key players. This was the best of the best from around the world. And it was amazing how many different countries were represented. Whereas, say, LVO, you don't even get full representation of the East Coast players, much less um, all of the United States. So... A lot of people made a lot of travel plans to come to Atlanta in November. How many think you're going to come back in January for LVO? Not a lot of them, probably. Because unless they have a reason to... Because let's take the scores from this event, and if they count for your ITC ranking, then maybe you have a reason to go to LVO unless, you know, it's close by... And you can easily make the trip. But for people like flying from England, flying from Australia, 
Russia, Germany, all, that gets really expensive. And you got to remember the guys that are making that kind of commitment. They're also packing on two or three days to their travel plans, not just time zone difference. Sometimes it takes that long to get from point A to point B. And um, a lot of them are like, okay, let's make this the family vacation while we're in, in the States type sort of thing. Let's do mm-hmm. it twice. Don't know. Now, the granted, there were some big names that did not qualify from some of those post countries. So I wouldn't be surprised if those guys come. But, like, I, you know, there's quite a few of these names, like Boris Michev and Arndt, Zernt. And, you know, those are guys that it reminds me, I was trying to explain to my son, we were watching the movie Miracle, which is the uh, story of the 1980 uh, U.S. hockey team when they beat the Russians. And this is one of the biggest tragedies of that story is that was probably the only time Americans ever saw that Russian goalie ever play because the Russians were much more isolationists back then. And he never played in any North American tournaments very rarely. So most people know him as, Oh, he's the guy who lost the, the big game. He might've been the best ever to play the game. Just no one ever saw him got to play. And I feel that's kind of the same way, especially as a guy who was a X and two X and three player. This is the first year we've had decent stream coverage of WTC games. Now these guys were actually on American soil and I missed it. Am I ever going to see these guys again? And how do we bring them back for year after year? This might be the format to do that. Mm -hmm. There is something to be said about this kind of play the entire season, get the invitation and go and play. Because as we talked about a couple of months ago, when this WCW stuff was first introduced, you now have a choice. You can either chase after the WCW invite, which restricts you to certain events, or you can do the longer run of the ITC where you have to go to just generally more events and keep trying to score really, really high. True. And depending on, so tactics come into play there as well, or strategies, I should say, are you somebody like we talked to Ben Jurek a couple of times why are you not playing Orcs? WTC is over. He's in the running. Eldar mm-hmm. is still more powerful than Orcs at the moment. He's just going to use that momentum and see if he can still lock up the ITC. On the other hand, we've seen other players just absolutely come 180 degrees on switching factions mid-season because it is a 12-month season just to get more ITC points. Um, I Both leagues kind of you have the same option for best in faction uh, your your faction's broken for a good three months get to a tournament while you can win the ticket golden ticket you get to go to atlanta now mm-hmm. so, hope your army's still broken when it comes around but um uh, that's some of the kind of things you have to look at is like what army do i bring for that particular event yeah i because i have no aspirations to ever go to the WCW because I like playing armies that I enjoy playing. Not so much that they're the hotness fresh off the presses, which is what some people focus on playing. And there's nothing wrong with that. Playing the most efficient army to win the most games is a naturally competitive spirit. The, the playing of what you enjoy and being really good with your army that you enjoy gets you to master that army very much like our friend mark whitaker who only plays world leaders he has mastered that army to the point where 
he knows what he can and can't win against. And that field is very, very slim. Yeah, see, I would be the opposite. For me, I want to invest in faction. I'm going to play the army I love. And I'm going to ride the, the good times and the bad times and where they stand competitively. But the idea that I have to attend eight GTs to have a decent standing and hopefully I don't, you know, still competing against somebody who may may or may not be um, as dedicated to it, but he's got four or five extra tournaments that are doing really well with. So that's where I was like the WCW format where it's like there's only four events, pressure's on to perform, but I have to be just be best in faction. And I get my ticket and I get to go represent my faction at the, the world championships. That to me was more appealing than grinding it out and hopefully... Cause I, I did that. Um, I forgot what edition it was, but it was like, it was one of those. It was like, there's, I was in the top 10 for best in faction and five of the top 10 showed up at LVO. We all pretty much had the same list plus or minus 200 points. And we're all like staring at each other down and going kind of jokingly like, okay, <laughs> whoever does the best at LVO is going to take best in faction. Cause it's just worth so many points. And it was funny because we were like all teasing each other because I think we all lost round two. So it's like, okay, who's going to win this? You know, who's going <laughs> to. And we even had like talked it over over lunch and okay, how's it? How's who's doing what? And in the end, it was um, Lawrence Baker came out of nowhere and <laughs> ended up winning it. Or it was like, he wasn't even in the top 10. How did he do that? Because he, he eventually came in ninth place overall. And then huge point boost i was like ah oh, geez how did that happen so we'll see you know <laughs> yeah it's it's the same kind of thing that i know i tried to pride myself on playing the one army every season but army D <laughs> army add is a pain because i love playing multiple things like right now i'm currently getting back into the the big robot trousers of figuring out how to play my knights again. And yeah, I, I'm having a blast playing them. My custodes are super fun, but when I sit there and I lose to the same exact things every single time, it's a, I can't figure out how to do this with this army because I'm missing a piece somewhere. Right. In one respect, the custodes probably will get a reversal on some of the nerfs they got because their their win percentage has just plummeted. I think it's cut in half. Oh, it's um, I believe in their last MetaWatch article, they officially said that custodians are now officially the worst army. Yeah. Which, ride or die, man. I love my custodians. I will play them as long as I want to. And that's the key thing as long as you want to. And it's understanding of custodians or whatever faction is like, okay, it's one thing to be losing or a bad faction. It's another thing when it's just not fun. You know, something needs to change and that, that can get very frustrating too. So, Well, yeah, touching on the, the last game from the RTT that I played, I played against a, a guy that I had played before back in ninth edition. His name was Travis and he's a great guy super fun to play against super high energy but also very very inquisitive you can tell him one thing and he'll keep track of it for the entire game which 
causes him to forget his own things, but <laughs> that's a that's an easy fix. And also, Guard has a lot of back and forth things. He played Space Marines for a good while while I was playing my Orcs, and playing him with Guard again, uh, it was very much a scenario of he felt really defeated because he got the wooden spoon. <laughs> But he still had fun playing me. And as long as someone has fun playing me, that's all I care about. Because, yeah, winning the game was nice and all. But if I make my opponent leave the table being like, God dang it, and being all mad and trying to find ways to invalidate my win. No. I want him to walk away and, hey, I want to play. I want I hope I run into you at another tournament somewhere because this was a fun game. Yeah, it's a big part of the fun for both players is the key thing, too. It's nothing worse than, oh, you're playing that faction. Okay. And then you just roll over them. You're just like, oh, that wasn't. I remember the first time I steamrolled an opponent. I remember that because, like, they played an army. They, they were playing a net list. I knew exactly how to beat it. He had no idea what I was playing. And it was one of those, oh, my God, I tabled something on, like, turn five, like, I think top of four. It was the first time I really just steamrolled a guy. And it felt like, terrible you know i was just like this was not fun it wasn't fun for any of us and um i just kind of remember that i was like this is okay that wasn't fun and um luckily i don't see that as much in the current meta as much as i've seen it so anyway second key point uh discussion so does this event invalidate lvo we'll have to see who actually arrives for lvo what level of player arrives, we'll, we'll know in January. Next key thing, for years, tabletop competitive gaming has been saying we need to get to the level of esports. We're, we're the T-sport, you know, for, basically, and trying to get to that next level of, of gameplay. Well, interesting enough, 30 days prior to this event, Overwatch League announced they're done. They have suspended operations, and teams are now distributing their players to other esports so there's no overwatch league anymore is this the future of table spot sports and can we grow or based on what we saw this weekend it's kind of a mixed bag i feel because the the idea of watching people play warhammer 40k unless you know what warhammer 40k is it can be really perplexing of these guys are pointing and using measuring tapes and oh hey he moved a model oh that guy took a model off the table people who don't know what's going on will probably get lost within the first five minutes much less keeping their attention for the next two and a half hours that's still to come yeah like the the camera angle of watching all the die rolls and everything else could probably help keep people's attention because people then get to correlate oh, hey, there's a dice mechanic in this game, and, oh, they rolled a one. That's probably really, really bad. <laughs> or, oh, my God, he rolled a six. Oh, wait a minute. He rolled a six on his vehicle explosion. <laughs> so there's something to be said about that. I do feel that there's a potential to still grow into an eSport kind of thing. But not so much the hyper competitive, we're winning millions of dollars for super large tournaments and everything else 
but the competitive field does go, yeah, we recognize this game has a competitive nature. If you want to be competitive, this is where you should look. If you don't want to be competitive, then you don't have to watch here. But there's plenty of other content out there. It's one thing Reset said years in the head of Frontline Gaming along him uh, with uh, Frankie there. Uh, one of the things they said is making the game more exciting, more on screen, make it more exciting. And what's one of the things I thought was little lacking, there hasn't been a whole lot of innovation uh, lately. Mm-hmm. The top streamers are really good. You know, Wargames Live is really good. I think also the commentation at, um, I don't know if that's a word, commentators at um, WCW, all the GW events are pretty solid. And yeah. as well as some of the FLG events are also really good. One of the biggest problems, pet peeve of mine, is w- w- throwing gra- so many graphics on the board. I don't need to know how many command points they have at any given moment. The key thing is, who's winning? <laughs> can, you, can you just show me that? And they always break down primary and secondary. Like, you can do that with, like, a splash graphic. Just put the score up. Make it simple. And then, you know, keep adding and subtracting graphics as they go in and out. But to help the average player or the the guy who's, I've never played this before, what am I watching? Um, Warhammer Plus has it really down pat. And I get it. Those are not recorded live. Those are, you know, edited heavily and recorded and that may be the future you know do people watching the games live or maybe it's they need to see them on tape delay or something like that because they actually showed this unit is firing on that unit so they have a little graphic that that unit lights up it's kind of highlighted they have little graphics of little explosions at the where they're attacking so it is easier to follow if you don't know what the game is about and then you then you're like oh well why didn't they die? Oh, look at that die roll. Oh, wow. Lots of twos and threes. Or, wow, he rolled a lot of twos. Why are they still... Oh, they're that strong. Okay, now I get it. So... Yeah, the and... other thing... The the other thing that they could introduce... They actually do in the NFL. Because we all know that the, the graphics and stuff that are on the field actually aren't there. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> they're all digitally put there. So if someone can find a way to create a set of overlays for the the mat field, then they could go, all right, at the end of player A's turn, he had these two secondaries. He's in that corner, that corner, that corner. So he gets that for engaging all fronts. Oh, hey, he iced a character. He gets this. And then those go away and it just shows the basic score again for the total. So that way people don't have to continuously read what secondaries they have. Indeed. Yeah. That's something. Okay. Which ones do you roll? Okay. Uh, deploy Talbot Homers. He's got to be here and here and here. You know, do a little splash graphic uh, on those parts of the field. And then it says, okay, he's still out of position. Is he going to be able to score that? And um, that could just really help not only does it really help the, the players outside, it may actually help the player themselves recognizing, hmm, where do I need to be? Oh, I'm not near that. So, Well, again, the that would be for the viewing pleasure of the audience because, yeah, you're sitting there watching your team play this 
very last game of the season to get into the playoffs to then get into the Super Bowl, and you're sitting there analyzing the the play layout. You're watching defensive linemen. You're watching the offensive linemen. It's like having the ability to watch and go, there's that unit over here, this unit over here, and yeah, the commentating is the excuse me. The commentating is the important part. So someone's sitting there watching and going, "Oh man, he's moving." Like for you, for instance, you're annoying twelve Reaver jet bikes. They're not annoying. What are you talking about, sir? They were poking McLeese in the butt. <laughs> I think it was a proctology exam. No, no, no. There we go. Hey. Hey, stop. Anyway, but like that, it's the splash graphic of the first unit of Reavers come down. They fly around the building and the commentator's like, oh man, Robert left his backfield wide open for the Reaver jet bikes to come in. How is he going to deal with these things? True. No, it's a couple key things to help with explaining it rather than just showing the actual card in a graphic. I'm like, uh, better. So yeah, getting... I think we have ways to go in making this appealing to the average viewer watching the game. Um, I think the personalities are there. I think these are, which is something that wasn't there in the past. So, you know, throwing a couple of player interviews in between rounds and small snippets could be a great way to expand the sport a little bit, understanding who these people are. Mm-hmm. And um, like I said, it's, it's, it's coming close. I don't think we're, at the big realm of things, it just but it is a big. We talked about the uh, team league that came, I just blanked on their name, the North American Tabletop Circuit. So I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. I have it here in my phone, but I mean, getting Army Painter to be a, such a big sponsor was like, oh wow, that's that's a big deal. So, oh yeah, the the NTL, yeah, NTL. Sorry, that I just found it. Yep, NTL. So, you know, there's there's still some money to be kicking around, and um, and there's other sponsors that are out there that could be huge for the sport. But we're getting there. So s- small growth there. So yeah, it's the way I would like to think of it. As Warhammer grows into being an enjoy like an actively enjoyable sport, with how if I paid attention to stats this season, I would have and paying attention to Lennon being like, yeah, no, Lennon is one of the few people that I really enjoy watching play and hearing him talk about 40K. So let's follow him as a player. Like, how is he doing this season? His average win rate is this much and he's playing this army and blah, 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 blah. Very much like tracking player stats for any other sports game. Indeed. So. But yeah, it was a very exciting event. Um, really cool to see the top players really come together, and I think it lived up to the hype. I really was impressed by what they had to show, and um, the narrative event looked like it was equally pretty awesome. I have to get some more insight. Um, I have a couple of friends who actually went to it, so I have to get the full scoop on what they had to say about it. For those who don't remember, what they did a little bit differently is they rented smaller rooms, and each room is detached, kind of feeling like you're a different part of the campaign. And they had what was sort of a avatar that kind of explained the game. And they're actually uh, cosplayers. So, for example, like a 
a woman dressed as a farseer. They I think this year they had a commissar and I forget who the other chaos person was. And the key was that you have all these factions trying to at all different agendas before the High Fleet Leviathan devours this system. So it was really very interesting how they did all that. So I'm curious to see. I saw the fiction and the lore leading up to the event. I just want to see how it all played out in the end and yeah. what happened. Yeah, I think I might have to pay attention to that one a little bit more for next year because I saw that the Glacial Geek had made it. I think he's been to both Grand Narratives so far. Hmm. And those do look like a bunch of fun. But again, it's the, well, what do I have to do to go there? I don't know. That, I believe, is just buy a ticket, from my understanding, the grand narrative. I think you do get some golden tickets here and there. Um, so you get special, like, head of the line privileges, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's invite only. I could be wrong. But um, beyond that, though, it is basically a casual team tournament because... You get assigned your room and you need to go, okay, what matchup? There's a, you try to figure out, we have to face this opponent, you know, to, to reach our objectives. So they, they do pairings very similar to a team tournament. So it's kind of nice. So on a, speaking of fun and teams and events, fun team events, you could, you could put it all into one thing if you really want to. The, the other local club that we have down here, uh, the mid-table mercenaries, we might be going to the Champions Cup. Really? I know we heard that application was made. Not sure if that was the final result. Well, there's there's a lot other stuff to put together there. Like, we need to somehow confirm eight people to go. <laughs> and the the dates did change from what our contact with them was able to get a hold of. So I originally expected it to be at SoCal because SoCal has unknown dates and it's supposed to have some kind of big reveal or something. We were actually off by an entire month. So the Champions Cup is going to be in September in Texas. Oh, okay. But it's still going to be eight people, um, some other really cool swag things. And yeah, it's. I'm really hoping that this can take off because I, as part of the mid-table mercs, want to go experience another team event. And I think this is the perfect shot. I am pretty excited. I said I was a little disappointed by the NTL. Not that it's their fault, but most of their events are nowhere near us. And mm-hmm. uh, so I agree with you with the Texas is a hell of a lot closer than the Pacific Northwest. So maybe this is the opportunity. I think the hardest part I have right now is how do I contribute to the team? And other than just being a body. <laughs> and um, that's one thing we ran into. It's one reason why I have a demon army is we went to a team event, and at that time, there was no Codex Drukhar. It was still Index Drukhar. We were like, yeah, that's not going to be competitive. So quick, pick another army that you're good at. So. Yeah, it is it is just going to be an adventure because we have almost an entire year to practice and play 
and adapt to new books and you know build the the eight-man camaraderie and you know find substitutes that can absolutely guarantee to go if someone goes hey man my wife got sick i have to stay home <laughs> yeah indeed and that is the tricky part about the eight-man events so yeah i know in general if people i don't know if the etc well the wtc did this or not but occasionally you would have um free agents floating around <laughs> to they fill did. out your team. So yeah, they did. Um, there are also teams that have multiple coaches. So sometimes the coaches stepped in to be replacement players. So yeah, that is definitely a, a definitely a possibility. Yep. But yes, otherwise there, that's most of what has been going on in this last week. The, the WCW was a big deal. And shout out to Ben Jurek for being able to go and then trying his best. Because, yeah, that was a, if that was a shark tank, I'd be scared of everyone there. Yeah, that was the ultimate shark tank, man. That's definitely, I just remember, when was the last time you saw an event where Josh Roberts came in in 40th place? <laughs> just like, yeah. Uh, and like Colin McDade made it there. And yeah, it was just a lot of big names all in one place. And if you made it there, be proud that you made it there. You don't have to be proud that you even won a game. It's nah. You played with the big boys and you lasted long enough to play with the biggest ones. Yeah, it's quite the event. So Sad I wasn't there this year, but, uh, you know, it's always next year and um, definitely a goal of mine to qualify. So just just be the guy that was rolling loaded dice and try to flush him down the toilet. No, I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> but um, That's still unbelievable. Oh, my God. There's always one. Oh, well. <laughs> but yes, so how. If you have been able to paint anything, Eric, how has mm -hmm. that how has that been coming along? Uh, actually, funny, I'm actually looking at a project I am working on now. So I have finally decided on um, what my plan was to keep the same paint scheme, but um, the patterns that I have on my river bikes are very popular. Matter of fact, they um, made Bella Lost Souls, and they've even been on Spiky Bits featured on there so i'll kind of want to keep that theme going throughout the rest of my army i did it on my raiders but i had literally 48 hours to paint them before lvo and the stencil slid and they look like crap and so one of the things i wanted to do was you know drakari were meant to be raiders and pirates so i don't suspect they're going to be like identical like a space marine or a um, imperial guard type thing so the idea was we got a general pattern. Now, do I mix up the patterns or do I just mix up the color schemes? So some bikes are going to be, or some of the, I'm looking at, because my latest list has anywhere, I haven't decided on the final list, but it's between four and six Venoms in it right now. So do I go with um, orange with black stripes or black with orange stripes? The idea was like, I'm going to do all of it. So it's the same stencils, 
just what colors I put them in which order. So they all look like a unified army. So they're all the same color schemes, but just you can tell them apart because, well, that Venom has is mostly black with an orange stripe, or that one's a mostly orange one with black stripes. And adding some grays is another highlight color. And um, well, there's the army paper, army painter, dark red, whatever. I use that as a base as well, just to mix and match. So I think I finally decided on the two or three designs and then so I want the thin design on top and then there's a wide design underneath that kind of gives it some anchoring before I had two thin designs and it just looked like somebody dropped spaghetti on my paint jobs and I was like well, that doesn't look right so I think I'm, I'm pretty happy with what I'm doing I think the last thing I need to do is the, my more my newer models they were easier to paint with the new method I'm doing but I was using contrast paint but the models that made me famous that were in all those said social media pages, I used a different paint and it's the contrast isn't quite the same color, but I'm finding that maybe I just didn't put enough layers on it. The other option I'm looking at is if I dilute that color enough as to make it a glaze, can I use it the same way I use contrast paint? I'm still trying to figure that out. So that's where I'm stuck with. But for the most part, I... Um, pretty much got my hobby like i got my list and this is what's going to be done uh the one thing that i was kind of hoping for with the reveals was are we finally getting plastic mandrix or am i still bringing my fine cast in which case um i have only five five cast fine cast models if i wanted to take a second unit i have my conversions but then i have to worry about TO approval and all that stuff yep that is something that I worry about every single day with my big stompy robots. Mm -hmm. um, I was lucky enough to find three actual boxes of real nerglings the other day. And yeah, I'm bringing them for my, what I think is going to be the final version of my list for chaos nights for the remainder of the season and until VO. And these Nurglings have been kind of fun to test things on because they are the from the I forgot to post them on the Facebook page, but the colors I painted them were effectively green, yellow and brown. The The goal was to try out these enamel washes from AK to see how vivid the colors would be over a, like a fleshy tone. Mm -hmm. Um. <laughs> There is no flesh tone left. They they coated everything nice and evenly, and like the yellow is really vibrant. The brown is actually the same color as the pea soup from The Exorcist. Mm. Mm. <laughs> and yeah, tonight, because they've been able to sit for a solid almost 24 hours, I'm probably going to apply... A, a known oil wash to them so that way oh hey look detail <laughs> yeah that happened with the it's not the newer contrast purple the old one Sisters oh yeah the shaish purple yeah i did this like i want to do this cool fade on all my weapons most of the, the cox combat weapons there's no fade it literally turned them almost black mm -hmm. and i was Oh, crap. So what's one thing I have to do is go back and re-highlight all those again. I did a nice edge highlight, so people are like, oh, that's cool, but it wasn't like the gradient that I wanted. I was like, oh, this stinks. So, 
definitely have to watch some. That's one of the key complaints I get now is you got a certain colors you have to dilute quite a bit before using them. So. Yep, and I am not upset with these nurglings. I just also have 20 extra nurglings on the way. <laughs> From Etsy, they're doing funny poses. I don't know exactly how big they're going to be, but yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I have a bunch of extra nurglings I don't know what to do with. That reminds me of the other thing I blanked out on um, until I got to the RTT the last weekend. I need a display board. Yeah, you're telling me. I have my display board from last season. Oh, man. I have an artist's vision that I want to try and do, but uh, I don't think I'm going to be able to do it in a month. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my, my army barely fit on the oven tray that I had, so I'm just like, oh, okay, I'm going to need to add some upper levels to with tunnels so I can hide some more models. So that's what's a neat technique to get more space on air and stuff like that. And I forgot that not all my bases were magnetized, so some models were had to be surrounded by magnetized models so they didn't fly off the board. I was like, oh, I was not prepared for this tournament. <laughs> Yeah, but yes, that's where my hobby progress is now. I I do have some war dogs that I rescued from eBay on the way, so that way I can actually finish out the final chunk of my list. But man, that's I'm not going to be happy painting those because <laughs> I thought I was done. Dang it! <laughs> I got a ways to go yet. Yeah, I got. My biggest thing is to strip or just take my chances and put a layer of paint over what's already there. So that's another question I have to kind of look at, especially uh, my Talos. There's, there's looking at them I'm like, hmm. I don't know if I lose any detail. So they need a little, especially like all those little green tubes that are supposed to be sticking out of them. I did a terrible job of painting those. So I've gotten better at it, so now I want to redo those so they kind of have a, a glow and not a uh, look like it's fermented yogurt in there. It's just like, okay. <laughs> well, Eric, um, thinking of some of the conversions that people do for Talos and Kronos, mm -hmm. given if it's the right size, it probably looks a little big, but the new Vargolf model for the Flesh Eater Quartz, Mm -hmm. Would be a terror. Would be an absolutely terrifying Chronos. Vargoth. I have to look that up. Yep, the Vargoth Courtier. I don't, because I already use Vargoth. That shows up. No, I have Vanguard College ca calculators coming up in my search engine. <laughs> <laughs> if you're able to go to the the community page, it was one. Of, it was one of the preview models. Okay, I'll do that. <laughs> I'm like, what is this going on? But uh, yeah, because I already used the Flesh Eater Court. I forget what they are. The Crypt Ghouls, I think they're called. Yes, it is the Crypt Flares. Okay, that's what I use for my um, grotesques because I refuse to buy dozens and dozens of models of the same <laughs> two poses for, in fine cast that look absolutely terrible. <laughs> okay. But 
Eric, they have to break. They have to break dance all the time. No, 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 no. Where am I looking here? Oh, I see what you mean. Um, yeah, let's go. Got to stick some armor on them. That could be interesting. Yeah, I just worry that they're a. That it's a little too big. I don't know. I'm, this, I'm not sure if I'm keeping the Talos in the list. To be honest with you, I was very disappointed with them. And I first thought I was like, okay, what did I do wrong with them? And then I kind of broke down the math hammer, and they're just not the close combat monsters they used to be. And I was like, oh, that explains. Because a couple times I was like, okay, I'm shooting a vehicle with the haywire and doing a ton of damage with the devastating wounds. I'm like, oh, he's got two, three wounds left. Oh, easy. Charge it. Nothing happens. I'm like, how did that happen? You do the math, and you're like, oh, that's those were actually average results. That sucks. So I'm debating whether to keep them in the list. I don't know. Well, whatever you choose, I am more than willing to be a test dummy. <laughs> yeah, especially against your knights, because all those armagers, that that's that'd be a very tough test. So I had a tough enough time with the, the Redemptor Dreadnoughts. So that was very disappointing that they under under um, performed in that game. I was like, oh, what happened here? So... But yep, I think that is a pretty good place to end for today. I think so too. So I'll, I promise once these things actually get paint on these, I'll get them up on the internet. Um, lots of redo and I have lots planned for this army and I've got a little time coming my way so I can actually probably tackle some of this. So in the meantime, any other questions, hit us up on our Facebook page. Also hit us up on um directly on our website as well but uh, any aggregators please sure to leave us a, a review uh five star would be great but at this point any honest feedback is always good for us to use to we can improve the show in the meantime my name's eric i'm robert and thank you for listening to the exterminatus podcast hey listeners this is raymond with the exterminatus podcast here to talk to you about kr cases if you're like me and you're constantly looking for that better way to store your armies then look no further than KR cases that's right this is the foam company known for their soft blue foam in the cardboard cases they're a great way to mix and match whenever you're heading out for that next tournament you can just swap out those boxes and no need to worry about switching the foam in and out they're sturdy the boxes help protect your models and if you, when you order, they come fast, the order is right, and for a better price than the other guy. So go to krcases.com, and when you place your order, be sure to mention the Exterminatus podcast. Is your beer keg boring? Does it not have enough tentacles coming out of it? Does it not taste as funny as you remember because you didn't put a tear in it? Well, the wonderful makers of the Necro Nom 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 to replace your average pizza, decided to come out with a, another book of the Lovecraft Cock. So they're from reddukegames.com, and it will guide you through 78 different kinds of cocktails to summon a demon, summon a space bug. Who knows? Either way, it's going to be a very, very wonderful time, and we would highly recommend that you try to not ingest too many while at the gaming table because we don't know exactly what's going to happen when you roll Perils of the Warp or you roll a natural one on your persuasion check if you decide to play in D. So if you're looking for fanciful drinks, 
go ahead and grab the Lovecraft Cocktails by the madmen at reddukegames.com, the makers of the Necro Nom Nom. Are you a gamer that has more bare plastic than you have time to paint? Do paintbrushes spontaneously combust when you hold them? If either of these is true, contact White Crow Studios and get your models painted by a college-trained professional painter. You can contact Bo at whitecrow.commissions at gmail.com and view his previously painted models at White Crow Studios on Facebook.